Blog Talk Radio. person that gets mad when I see the newscast of people out there at the uh, the track, the news people out there at the track, and there's nobody there. We would have been there this weekend, but hey, we're gonna have we're gonna make the best of the Fourth of July. Hey, we're gonna we got a lot to talk about today. I mean, this stuff has got to stop. We have got to put on our thinking noggin and start acting normal. We got the Redskins saying, oh, well, put a lot of pressure on them. We're going to get into that conversation here a little bit later with Ed Kratz, beat writer, the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com. Also, it's race weekend here in Indianapolis. So we're going to be talking to Matthew Embry, WSPT, up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. It is a triple header out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, even though we won't be there, you won't be there. But, hey, it'll be good to listen to on the radio and, uh, or on the television and kind of have on the background of whatever you got going on with your 4th of July activities. Uh, but we've got the IndyCar race, NASCAR Xfinity race. And then tomorrow, obviously, the the, the uh, Brickyard 400. Um, and uh, big, uh, the Big Vodka, Big Machine, I'm sorry, Big Machine. It's not the Vodka this time. It's the hand sanitizer. So they're also making hand sanitizer. Uh, and then Mo for the BS Sports Show, standing by in the balanced green room to get things kicked off for us. My name is Tom Mikesell, President Day, 917-889-8516. Ditches. Give us a ring-a-ding-dink if you want to talk. We'll be right back right here out in the balance radio network. component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? 
Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at GoANG.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 414 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're one of my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. And welcome back to The Balance. My name is Bob Mark, Michelle, President J. 917-889-8516 is our digits. Joining us now is the one, the only, Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, how are you, sir? Uh, uh, no, it is the 4th of July weekend. You got any big plans for the weekend? Uh, Yeah, I, uh, no, no, I don't. <laughs> you tried for the lie there. I, you know, I, I got this cook-off with my brother's and sisters at my brother's house uh, down in Terre Haute, and if we're going to finally resolve this this ever-knowing question, who has the world-famous, well, we know it's meat, right? I made I, I smoked some pork shoulder yesterday and made some uh, pulled pork, but the actual contest, we just decided that it was going to be on brats. We're still trying to decide on the judges. My nieces want to be judges, but I'm thinking, hey, wait a minute. Your dad is a participant, so... Maybe not the nieces. So well, we're going. We still have to determine the judges. So we're going to do brats. Got some cook uh, cooked stuff. We're going to head. I mean, heading down there right after the show because guess where I'm not going to be at. I'm not going to be at the track. It is well, I absolutely. Think makes, I think it. I think it makes you the loser automatically because you have to travel to Terre Haute. So I feel like <laughs> you've already lost. Is it Terre Haute or Terre Haute? Is yeah, it Vigo well, or Vigo? <laughs> So you there one day. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, it's something else. So, well, let's get into this. I mean, let's let's first of all, let's talk a little bit just briefly cuz I know we're going to get into more detail about it with Ed Kratz, uh who's going to join us late, later on in the show, but the Redskins, I mean, here here's the thing. We've been having this debate for years. And this isn't just new to this time. So let's let's make the preface in there, but FedEx, who has the naming rights for the, the, the stadium for the Redskins, and Nike is a big sponsor of the Washington Redskins, has said, hey, if you don't change this name, we're pulling our money. Well, that's almost one, blackmail, and two, I, 
again, I know this is a 2016 poll, but according to a poll from the Washington Post, which is about as liberal as you could get along with the New York Times, says that Native Americans are not offended by this. And then we got we got and they can't they want to change the name of the of, of the masters. They they you want they want people to the realtors to stop using the word master bedroom. Can we just say enough is enough? We realize that there was a part of our past and our history that we're not proud of. What about the Kansas City Chief? What about the Atlanta Braves? I mean, it, where does it stop? We we gotta we gotta get some uh, sense of uh, sensibility in our minds well you know i mean and you look at it too at at the history of this team and it's become you know fedex has never put pressure on on the redskins until now and i can't know if they have as much of a say because they do all the apparel for the nfl so i don't know how much nike can push uh you know NFL has not been shy in the past about just switching apparel companies. They went from Reebok to Puma to to Nike. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's big corporations caving to to public pressure, and you know now the Cleveland Indians uh, have are now going to talk about uh, changing their name. They already got rid of uh, of uh, Chief Wahoo a couple of years ago, so I had to run out and buy some Cleveland Indian tats before they got rid of that iconic logo. And, uh, you know, you would assume then that the Kansas City Chiefs can't be far behind or the Atlanta Braves. Uh, so it's uh, it, it's gotten out of hand. Uh, you know, I, Daniel Snyder's always pushed back on it, but FedEx contributes a lot of money to that bottom line in Washington, especially this year without fans. I don't know uh, that <clears throat> they can necessarily do without all that FedEx money. So this might be the time where they finally cave and do it, but that, you're talking about a long history that they're going to be getting rid of in Washington if they change the name. Well, you know, they say money talks, and you know what, walks. So we'll see how much uh, pressure that FedEx has. And, and, and I think his name is Dan Snyder. I don't know how much money he actually has to, 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 to push that. But, but the point being is if it was such a big issue, FedEx and Nike would have made it an issue earlier. We all, everybody's jumping on this train. And I'm, I want to get off this train, man. I, I just I'm done with it. Let's just let's move on to some other things. And I jokingly said in our in our uh, intro on the on the podcast when you I mean, when, if you read that I said Here, here's the thing. Let's just change it to uh, the Washington uh, potato skins or red potato skins or red skins. I mean I mean skins or whatever because uh, red red potatoes or something. You know maybe because well, then I guess you offended vegetarians, and we don't want them coming after us, do we? <laughs> I'll tell you, man. You know, it, it sounded uh, a lot better Kiba, when I was Kiba typing used it to out. Make, <laughs> they used to make a really good product called Tata Skins. I used to love those things. No, you know, it's stupid that it now that people are feeling public pressure to do it. Uh, before the NFL backed the Redskins and it made it their decision, they didn't change the name. Nobody had a problem with it. Uh, you know, it's uh, – you're right, it has gotten out of hand, but you have to watch the jokes even that you make now because, God forbid, somebody takes it the wrong way and, and you know, and then people are, are coming after you. So, uh, it's got to be the hardest for comedians now because, God forbid, you make a joke about something that people take the wrong way and they're going to be out looking to, uh, to uh, you know, come after you and ruin your life. So, here's the other, th- the other thing is this isn't the majority of Americans. This 
is for somehow, somehow there's a very small minority of Americans that have a very loud voice that are making people listen. I don't even know how that happens because the majority of Americans think like we do. Let's just let's just stop this ridiculousness, this redonkulousness. But apparently there's a small minority of Americans that we, – we've taken this from a, a, a simple protest because what happened in Minneapolis because that was a tragedy, and that, and that certainly should have been addressed to a whole, whole nother level of stuff. And this is just the – whole, the whole thing is just getting out of hand. Well, let's move on here. We've got the NBA getting ready to start, I and mean, we heard yesterday, and I, I know you and I talked a little bit offline, but Victor Oladipo has decided not to uh, participate in the NBA season this year. Uh, first of all, what are your thoughts on that? And, you know, here's the other – at least I haven't seen it yet as of yesterday, and I, I looked this morning, haven't seen it, and it might, it might be out there, so I might be speaking prematurely before this, we did the show. But uh, as I've seen it, not even the Pacers have released a statement. I, I kind of feel like this was kind of Paul George-ish, if you will, because uh, the Pacers said, hey, uh, you know, uh, Victor Oladipo looks as – good as he ever has victor on depot said publicly in the press this past week that he feels great with his rehab he was going to leave things up to his doctors so maybe his doctor's taking the fall for this but it just seems like that all of a sudden he's deciding that he's not going to participate in the in the nba season but he is going to travel with the team so which means he's going to get paid so he's not going to lose any money so I'm just I, I'm just scratching my head a little bit there. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, he, he his doctors told him that because of the stop and start of the NBA season, uh, he wasn't obviously at 100 percent when he came back and was back for you know a week and a half or two weeks, whatever it was, before the NBA season stopped. Uh, that <clears throat> there could be a, a, a higher probability for a soft tissue injury with trying to ramp back up now, you know, away from a normal schedule of what he had been on had the season been. Uh, going how it is so five on five with all the starting and stopping i i think the doctors are worried that the uh that the uh there could be a, a higher probability for a soft tissue injury and that would then lose him all of next season as well so with where the pacers are and, and how good the lakers are how good the top of both conferences are i don't think it's that big of a deal honestly i mean you were talking about you know what 30 games so to me not a big deal had the pacers been sitting at the top of a division or really had a shot at winning the championship, I think it would have bothered me a little bit more. But uh, I think he's making the smart play. You know, I'd rather see Victor for all 82 games next season than for 30 games in a season that's probably not going to mean much uh, more than a first-round playoff exit. Uh, and I agree with that. I totally agree with that 100%. But one of the things that, that makes me cast shadow on things is he went to Sham with the athletic. Now, Sham did his job completely right, and – and just reported what was reported to him. And he did an interview with Victor on Depot and Victor on Depot said he wasn't going to be coming back. And of course, Sham's the one that broke the news and, and reported it yesterday uh, from the athletic. Uh, but my, my question is the loyalty question there. If you're as loyal and, and this is where I say this feels kind of Paul George-ish uh, is that, you know, just not too long ago, uh, Victor Oladipo says he loves being in Indianapolis. This is this, this is thing, that, and th this is a contract year for him too. So he's got to 
I mean, he's got to start making things shine, and I and it surprises me because it is a contract year for him that he's decided to 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 not go for it. And, and I understand the health risk of it, but don't you think the if he if he's uh, as loyal as he says he is, and as he's diehard to the Pacers as he says he is, wouldn't it be better if he went to the Pacer organization and say, "Hey, here's my indecision." Uh, release a statement. No, he went to a a a um, reporter, which he apparently has a good relationship with. Is that's nothing new. I mean, a lot of athletes have good relationships with re- reporters and give them scoops. There's nothing wrong with that per se. Uh, but don't you think it would have been perceived better if he went to the Pacers organization and let the Pacers announce it or break it, as opposed to giving it the nugget to a reporter? Well, I was told uh, yesterday by somebody who was a good friend of mine inside the Pacers organization that he did uh, speak with them first. Uh, the doctors and Victor Oladipo did talk with the Pacers first before he talked to Shams from the Athletic last night. So the Pacers were fully aware, uh, from what I'm being told, that uh, they knew Victor would not be uh, coming back to play this year, and they were on board with it. Again, in the contract year, you can be loyal so much to a team, but first off, you got to be loyal to yourself. And the last thing you want to do – if there's a high probability for an injury is to get yourself injured in a contract year. Again, you know, at first it was shocking, but, uh, you know, I honestly, after, after looking at everything and talking to a few people, I think he made the right decision. Again, where the Pacers going this year, you're, you're going to take a chance, uh, a high risk of injury with the, you know, getting off your, uh, your rehab schedule. I I think he made the right decision. Malcolm Brogdon with uh, having COVID, a couple other guys uh, who are injured. The Pacers are, are, are scheduled Honestly, let's be honest for our first round exit. Victor at 100%. He, and he wasn't playing well before they stopped. He had that good game, that last game before the thing stopped. But you could tell things weren't right. He wasn't 100%. So I'd rather have Victor at 100% next year where, you know, you're on the verge of having another top 15, 17 draft pick. You can make a, maybe a couple moves in free agency and, and seeing what the Pacers can do next year. This year, to me, is is a lost year for them anyways. No, I I totally agree with that. But my I guess my thing is if the Pacers were were all, all on board with it, the president CEO on local media this week said that 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 Victor on Depot looks better than he than ever has. Really expects him to uh, return this year. And if the Pacers were on board with everything to begin with, why are they saying it's okay for him to go ahead and travel with the team and be with the team and still get paid? Because if he didn't travel with the team and didn't come out there, he would he would he would have lost some some money. So it looks to me like that this was a strategic play made by Victor Owen Depot and maybe some PR cover up from the Pacers. But the Pacers still have not released an official statement on their behalf. Well, because if they don't, there's still a chance that he could play. You know, things could change. Uh, you know, they could be a weekend to it, and he feels good and wants to play. So I think it's all about keeping that roster spot available right now. Uh, for Victor, should things change, you know, you get out there, start practicing with your team. You know, one on, you know, doing a workout by yourself is so much different than practicing five on five with your team. So, I, I think <clears throat> that, that at this point they're waiting to see what happens because when Victor gets down with his team and starts practicing, maybe he does feel different about it. And so I think that's a why he's traveling, and, and b I, I think that uh, that there's still a possibility that we do see Victor Oladipo this year. You know, people's minds change all the time, so I think there's still a shot you could see him play depending on what happens. 
Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were saying something else. So, so let's talk about the bubble. What what are our thoughts about the bubble and the teams that are that are there? And and here's the thing. And 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 we talked about this offline yesterday. We're seeing more and more people test positive down there in Florida, like nobody's business. And I had a I had a virtual appointment, doctor's appointment this week, and he told me that out of all the pandemics that we've had in the world in the history, there's never been one that's not had a second wave. So it's not a matter of if there's a second wave, but when the second wave will happen. And we might be starting to see sparks of that now because we're seeing a lot of NBA players test positive. And so, I mean, how's that going to, I mean, let's, let's get things started. And then, then we also look at the, the preseason uh, NFL games being cut short. So I, I honestly see this second wave starting to start to to poke around. Yeah, I mean, you know, my sister, she works at Riley's Children's Hospital, and they've talked about for a while that they expect a second wave uh, to start in August, especially once kids get going back to school. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, a bunch of Major League Baseball players have tested positive now. Uh, you know, it, it, it seems like things are starting to go backwards a little bit. So. We might not make it to the end of the month to see sports start. You know, Jimmy Johnson has tested positive for COVID nineteen now, and, and oh, see, I did not uh, know that. Know, That's good to hear. Yeah. Not good to hear that came out wrong, but I, I'm glad you told me that because I did not know that. Go ahead. Yeah, so you know, it, it it could very well be that we don't get the start to the season that we were thinking and that we wanted. So, I think everything's still up in the air on a day by day basis at this point. You know, uh, we had the most cases we've ever had uh, in one day in the United States yesterday or Thursday. So. It's very possible that we don't see these games start, or we see them start in a quick halt to it. So, uh, you know, and the more and more players that test positive could be the more and more guys that decide to pull out. And if all your stars start pulling out, you have no product for television. And at this point, honestly, for the league, it's about still continuing to get that television money. And without games on television, you're not getting that television money. So, there's a lot of factors that are going into it. It'll be interesting to see if we even get started or how long we get we keep going when it comes to. Uh, to the uh, to the NBA, NHL, and, and MLB seasons. Well, let's talk about the ML, uh, the MLB. I mean, uh, where where are we going to go with this? Is this really going to happen, or is because they've already canceled all minor league seasons? So if you're a minor league player, you're not getting paid. At least I understand you're not getting paid. Maybe they are getting paid, uh, but there there is no season for minor league. So no Indianapolis Indians, no you know no minor league uh, games, which is un- unfortunate because and speaking of the Fourth of July, I mean this is the time. This today is the day when we watch baseball and we watch fireworks, and, and I just feel like that to it, because we don't have baseball today. I just feel like that we're still getting that that uh, uh, kick in the junk, if you will. Well, Tom, let's be honest. Uh, we've been kicked in the nuts for a lot of our, our years. So, uh, True no, that. You know, it's, uh, it, it, it's strange because normally wouldn't today, if I'm correct, wouldn't this be the firecracker 400, not the uh, not the brickyard? Didn't that usually happen on, on around the 4th of July, the night race at Daytona? Yeah, the night the night race at Daytona would have been, yeah, because they had to move the, everything around because of, of – uh, They'd already scheduling. had things moved around because of uh, because of the scheduling. When they released the Nat in the NASCAR schedule, they decided to make uh, this the race this weekend in in Indy. So that was already planned. We that was planned last year before any of this pandemic gotcha. stuff happened. But yeah, uh, 
but and I thought, man, this is going to be a hot freaking weekend. I was all prepared to be down there this weekend, but man, just didn't, just did not happen. So let's let's uh, real quickly while we still got you here for a, a few minutes, as we look just across the board, across the world of sports. Where are we at? We're going forward. We're going backwards. Or are we at status? Is everybody happy with status quo? Uh, I mean, because when you see some of these polls on social media, people really could care less if there's baseball or basketball, because at this point they're doing other things in their life. I, I think we're hurting sports by 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 not uh, by not moving forward with things, and 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 we've seen the cut in the preseason uh, with the NFL, and so. You know, you look at some of these rookies; they're not going to be up to up to snuff when it's time to to start the regular season. And and now, I mean, I think it's just beginning to become a question if we're even going to have a regular season with the NFL. Well, I, you know, I think some of the resentment towards baseball was all the bickering back and forth between the two sides. But let's be honest; people have called for a shorter baseball season for a long time. So, you know, we could see a team that's not great on paper come out and, and be playing for or winning a world series because you've got to be the best team in 60 games. You don't have to be the best team for 162. So, you know, we could see some teams, you know, you know, both of our teams are, are good teams, but not teams that were expected to be great teams this year. So you can see teams that were expected to, to win things like the Yankees or the Dodgers not in it because of it's such a short season. And, you know, you're going to go right into the NBA with the, uh, with playoffs, same with the NHL. The NHL playoff hockey is fun. It's going to be awkward, I think, because no fans. And I think that's one of the things that maybe are turning people off towards the sports a little bit is how weird it's going to be to watch with no fans. But, you know, people keep talking about the new normal. Our new normal for the last four-plus months has been, you know, no sports. And some people have gotten used to it. Uh, you know, I'm still craving, waiting for sports to start back up. But you're right. You know, I picked up new things and new hobbies in these past four months. Uh, that, uh, you know, that I normally had. And I, I've started collecting, like, baseball cards and crap again just to give me something to do. So I get where people have, have found new ways to spend their time, uh, you know, while these sports have been on. But normally right now we would just be having racing and baseball, right? So we're going to come back with, you know, three major sports at the same time. But I, I think people will change their tune once everything started back up and they're able to turn on, sit down uh, and turn sports on. That's cool that you're collecting baseball because I used to do that as a kid. I used to think that was going to be like my thing to do. And uh, certainly as I grew older, that, that hobby kind of de- decreased. But I, I certainly remember getting the, 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 the baseball ca- cards with the bubble gum in it and trading them with my friends and that sort of stuff. So what kind of – do you have any kind of in- interesting cards there? Well, I, let's be honest. I'm doing it strictly for money because for a while it was a dead thing, and now there's a lot of money in it again. Like yesterday, uh, I hit uh, three, you know, hundred plus dollar Joe Burrow cards. Uh, wow. I got. Uh, I bought a lot of Michael Jordan rookie cards that are worth about uh, ten grand that I got uh, at an auction for a hundred bucks. Uh, so it's uh, opening the packs and seeing if you hit something good. It, it's not anymore to see if I get my favorite players to see if I got something that's gonna make me some money. Yeah, I hear you, man. I I see your posts every now and then. I'm like, man, that's pretty good stuff. I wish I I could have gotten my <laughs> got got my hands on that stuff. That's some good. That's some good stuff. 
Mouth of the BS Sports Show. Appreciate you joining us. We go over rolling on into the the Fourth of July weekend. Uh, any final words or wisdoms that you have before we have to tie it up and put a bow on it? Well, in the words of uh, well, no, I can't say that. Not nice. Uh, no, have a great Fourth of July. <laughs> you do the same, man. We'll talk with you soon. See you, buddy. All right, buddy. Well, for the VS Sports Show joins us in uh, uh, helping us kick things off, talking a little bit about the Redskins and uh, Victor Owen Depot and the return of the NBA. Uh, we, got, we got Matthew Embry, WSVT, uh, in South Bend, our official IndyCar is scheduled to join us. Uh, so we're still waiting for him to, to jump into the balance screen room. My name is Sean Marcus Al Presidente. We'll be back. 917-889-8156 is our visit. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike... You know, dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. Ow, that went in my eyes. 
It's called Beauty Sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Welcome back to Balance 917 is our digits. Thanks to Mo from the BS Sports Show uh, for joining us, helping us to uh, just kind of kick things off here today. Joining us now uh, on race weekend, which we're not down at the track as we should be. Uh, but anyway, Matthew Embry, WSVT in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Uh, Matthew, the IndyCar uh, uh, Grand Prix is just a about to get underway if it's not already underway out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh feels kinda kinda weird not being down there. Well a couple of interesting surprises so far this weekend. Well unsurprising discovery number one, Will Power, one of the two men to win the GMR Grand Prix of Indianapolis, is on the pole again today. Shocking discovery number one though, where's Simon Pagino? What do we contribute to that? What's the what's the biggest uh, contributing factors to that? Well, I, I don't know if it's overconfidence or what it is, but uh, sometimes you get in the groove and sometimes you don't. But the odd thing is, is they're both of the same team, but I would guess based on that, they don't have the same setup. There's maybe a setup that uh, maybe he's on power, Power's car that Pazdo tried. He didn't like it, tried to go off on his own, and uh, – Maybe it cost him uh, that situation because look at their top times. They're only six-tenths of a second between the fast time that Simon Pagino ran that didn't get out of group one at qualifying or group two at qualifying and the speed willpower ran the fast six to get the pole. So they're not that far apart. Well, I, I tell you what, though, it, it, and it's, it's, I guess it's kind of sad that it took the pandemic to, to make this happen, uh, but – I, I've always thought that a track like Indianapolis and Talladega and other, just other tracks could simultaneously do in tandem uh, two uh, different types of races at the same track with IndyCar and NASCAR and drawing both both groups of fans. I know there's there are different types of fans that run for each of them, but uh, I think that I've always thought that this, that was a good opportunity. So do you think – but even though the Grand Prix is running early today, and that might hurt something because because it is running so early, but do you think that with TV viewership and, and stuff, do you think this is going to be a, a boost, and maybe this will be something that they'll look at when we don't have a pandemic and we can have fans back in the stands? Well, the good stuff with that, obviously, but I think the noon start time is perfect. and It may not help the fans on the West Coast, but I just think these 3 p.m., 4 p.m. starts for NASCAR are starting too late, especially for a media member like myself. If I'm at the track, the race starts at 4 on a Sunday, it doesn't get done until 7, 7.30, then, you know, it takes like two and a half, sometimes three hours to get the post-race stuff done. You're out of the track, and it's pitch black, and it's 10.30 at night. And then you got to get back home for work the following morning. So the way they have pushed back the start times to 3, 4 p.m. for these, like, 500 milers, 
it's uh, causing a major inconvenience for a media person like me that's not a full-time media member. I got you. I understand. Well, let's talk a little bit about who who are looking at the track here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, still, uh, it's still happening. We're still having a race out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, so I'm going to be listening to it on the radio. I'm going to be going down to Terre Haute and having a family function today. Uh, me and my brothers are having a, a cook-off, and I will come out as as the grill master, Meister, just, just to say, putting that out there. Uh, but Will Power, you mentioned. Go ahead. And it's a little teaser looking at the NASCAR. Guess who's not? Jimmy Johnson. Didn't he test positive? Yes, he did. Yeah, I just, I guess Mo just told me that. I didn't know that until he had told me that. So um, that's that's huge news because now we're seeing this, and we're seeing this whole thing with NBA. We see Victor Owen Depot saying that he's not gonna he's not gonna play. Uh, and so we're seeing this come across the thing. And yesterday, I mean, not yesterday, but the day before yesterday, I had a virtual doctor's appointment with my doctor. And he told me, he said, out of all the pandemics that the United States have been through, there's never been one that's not, there's not been a second wave. So it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And and we look at this starting to happen. And then when the kids start going back to school in August, we could definitely see us back to where we're at right now within 30 days or so well just follow what i've been doing with this thing i've been wearing my mask everywhere where i'm in danger i've not been going to the mall i have not been going to restaurants and i mean yeah it's primitive but it keeps me safe and that's how i've been i mean i've kind of been you know like a nomad the last uh, four months but hey i haven't gotten it yet and I'm not taking the risk that a lot of other people in my area are taking that aren't wearing mats and are going to these uh, major get-togethers and are not playing uh, playing it safe. Yeah, we gotta we gotta we gotta be cautious out there. That's for sure. I had my oil changed yesterday, and they gave me the option of staying in my car or I could go into the to the lobby there at Jiffy Lube. Uh, I went into the lobby, but I noticed that m- multiple people uh, were staying in their car, and I noticed that uh, the uh, the the Jiffy Lube employees were wearing masks. So, yeah, you just you just gotta gotta be cautious and, and kind of go go from there. Hey, let's talk a little bit about Jack Harvey. Um, he might be our little dark horse that we're looking at today in today's race. Well, I knew he had the stuff on the road courses. and I, The thing, though, the question I had with Harvey was how would he fare on ovals? Now, he didn't fare too well at Texas, but again, keep in mind, besides Indy 500, MSR, Mike Shank Racing has never run, or I guess Meyer Shank Racing, whatever the name is now, uh, has never run on an oval outside the Indianapolis 500. So you had to expect that was going to be a not-so-good result at Texas. But this is their bread and butter where they should be competitive so I know a lot of people are surprised by that second qualifying run, but based on the records I saw and the general progression we've seen on road courses from that 60 team, it shouldn't be that big of a surprise. No, and, and but but I tell you what, a lot of people are saying that Jack Harvey could win this Grand Prix out of Indianapolis uh, today. Well, it just depends. I mean – You've got aggressive drivers at the start, but he's on the outside lane, and we've seen guys on the outside lane get pinched off in the wall in the very first lap. We saw it happen to Tony Kanaan several years ago. So 
he's got to be careful with that and not go aggressive. But the, the thing I'm going to be curious, though, is what's Colton Herta going to do from that third spot? Is he going to try to get super yeah. aggressive and try to go from third to first at the first lap? Because that's a move that we've seen from Colton Herta, uh, extremely aggressive moves, but maybe not in the greatest scenarios where he puts himself and others at risk and possibly takes himself out like he did at Texas last year. I'm very curious to see how Colton Herta actually this started. Maybe see if that maturity that I was looking for last year that I really didn't think I saw at any point uh, starts coming to the forefront where he tries to save it knowing that he can get the lead further on down the road. He doesn't have to try to win it on the very first lap. Well, we also got to realize that it's hard to be aggressive on the road course. You you want to be, you try to be, but it's hard to be. There's only a few windows of opportunities that you have to be very aggressive. And one of what I think can, can be more, the more aggressive driver certainly has the experience on the road, road course. And that's your number four driver. And it's Graham Ray Hall. Had a good run. Uh, I believe, what was it? 2013 or something. He finished second. Mm-hmm. Just didn't have quite enough to get all the way there past Will Power, but uh, certainly I think he's got a chance with it. Uh, Ray Hall Letterman has a decent uh, performance this weekend. I mean, Tickets had some flashes, even though he didn't qualify well. And, uh, of course, Sato, maybe they go off strategy, maybe get them involved in the front of the race at some point today. But, uh, yeah, Ray Hall's got a chance. Uh, be curious to see what he does. Uh, obviously trying to get himself some momentum, looking to the major part in the course of the Indy 500 a month away and coming off a decent run last year. Uh, certainly any momentum he could get, he would gladly appreciate at this point. Well, talking about drivers we don't talk a lot about, and that's Oliver Askew. I mean, uh, he, he, he did an impressive uh, uh, fifth-place uh, qualifying there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway this weekend. Again, the thing, though, with Askew is the same thing we were thinking about Colton Hurd last year, the maturity and the being able to control the aggression. I think that's going to be the key for how Askew fares uh, looking to the action uh, coming up here in a few hours from now is does he have the maturity to keep his nose clean and try to get the result instead of trying to just go simply for the win and uh, just go balls to the wall and uh, take the unnecessary risk just trying to get the victory. Where are we at with Joseph Newgarden? What are our thoughts on him this weekend? Consistency, and he's trying to gain points and stay in the championship hunt. Uh, I don't think he's going to be necessarily a contender for the win uh, today, but uh, if he is not on the podium, I'd be very surprised. Uh, he is thinking the big picture, and that's trying to win another championship. And I think you'll see the same thing from the guys starting uh, right behind him, uh, Scott Dixon uh, coming out to win at Texas doesn't necessarily have to win this race, but if he can get a top five, uh, that should allow him to keep his point lead. What about Ed Carpenter? Ed Carpenter racing, Ed Carpenter and Connor Daly. Uh, I still think uh, Connor's got, uh, hopefully he doesn't try to, you know, make up for the near miss he had a few years ago. Uh, if he tries just to, you know, get another good result in there, that would mean two top sixes, two races. And if he could continue that trend, I think he's going to start to learn uh, more of a maturity game. I think that we've been waiting forever for this guy. And if he could do that, I think uh, then you can make a claim that he is one of the top drivers on the circuit. I still don't think you can do that just yet, but I think if the maturity starts to develop there from Connor, uh, he certainly, I think, could not only become a contender for race victories, but I'd say possibly a championship contender 
uh, if he continues on the right path. Ryan Hunter Ray, obviously a veteran at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, and has done well on the on the uh, uh, road course. What are your thoughts on him? I don't know if he could do it for 12th unless he goes off strategy. Uh, I think the same thing goes for his teammate Alexander Rossi, who's on row six as well, starting 11th. Uh, I just think there's just you get into that washing machine in the start of the race in that first turn, and you just have to be in survival mode. I don't think you could be overly aggressive from where they are. And add to that, you have a little bit of panic because uh, you got over-aggressive drivers sometimes in Pato Award and Santino Ferrucci back there. And, of course, you talk about Ryan Hunter Ray. He and Ferrucci have already gotten into contact once already this weekend. You mentioned Pato Award. Uh, what are our thoughts about him on this weekend in the, in the Chevy? Uh, obviously, the driver from Mexico there, the only driver from Mexico for that matter. But Pato Award, uh, again, speaking of aggressiveness, that might be one that you have to kind of keep in check there. Yeah, the immaturity. I mean, you saw in the iRacing IndyCar Challenge, I mean, he made some very questionable moves there. I think that cost himself some very good finishes and unfortunately cost others good finishes. Now, hopefully he doesn't do that to that extreme here. But the, you know, sticking your nose in, you got to be committed to that You because you try to do it so many times, you got to keep getting your front wing chopped off and uh, or spin someone else out. I mean, there's a lot of things there where, I think Pato's got to learn a little bit more space, a little bit more uh, patience. And uh, if he does that, say like a Colton Herta hopefully will this year, I think you could start seeing him near the top of the standings. But uh, I think the issue right now is between the years uh, with Pato Award. What we're looking at with TK, I mean, I think we're, we're probably – this might be the last year for TK no as a full-time TK driver. Weekend. Oh, he's not uh, racing this weekend. in the 14th. Dalton okay. Ellis in the 14th, Canadian uh, okay. veteran of Indy Lights. Unfortunately, he is starting at the back of the field along with Kimball. So Foyt uh, not having as good a weekend as they had last week at uh, or last month at Texas. So teammates, well, not really teammates, but certainly of uh, the same sort of uh, team ownership, I guess. Marco Andretti and Alexander Rossi. Trouble yesterday. That's why he's starting 25th. Rossi. Uh, he's got the controlled aggression necessary to get through the field. Although starting P11, I think it's going to take some kind of uh, different strategy going off sequence, I think, to get him into contention for a podium, if not the victory. But, uh, yeah, when we talk next month at the Indy 500, uh, he's certainly, I think, on the short list of drivers that could possibly win that race. You know, uh, one of my, my personal favorites, and, and cer- certainly a good guy and friend of the show and guy I love talk to when I'm out at the track is James Hinscliff. Uh and he's with Andretti Motor, he's back at Andretti Motorsports, he's a, kind of a boomerang driver for them, but uh, we, we've kind of not been talking about him for uh, a, a few months, so what's going on with James Hinscliff? I think the lack of track time has made him a little bit rusty, I think you saw that in qualifying, at least in his group one that's why he didn't get out of the group uh, starts all the way back in 19th, but if he could keep his nose clean, uh, maybe he can get into the top half of the field by the race is over. But uh, unfortunately, I think uh, still chemistry issues, trying to get the team all on the same page, uh, that still has a work in progress. And running a limited schedule certainly doesn't help that cause. We look over at Chip Canassi Racing. we got Marcus Erickson, uh, Scott Dixon, and Felix Rosenfest. Uh, what are your thoughts? 
Eric shows his disappointment in qualifying. I thought he had a chance to get in the top six based on his practice times. He didn't do it. Uh, same goes for Rosenquist and Dixon. I mean, seventh and ninth, I mean, they're within striking range, but they have a lot of work to do, I think, to uh, challenge power and those guys starting up front. So, uh, over uh, Ray Hall, the, the, we talked about Graham Ray Hall, but his teammate, uh, Tomoka Soto, uh, what are your thoughts on him? You mean two teammates, Soto and Piggott? Oh, Graham's not running this weekend? It's a three-car team. Because okay, Piggott, all right, you're right, all right, my, my fault, go ahead. Yeah, right, Piggott, still a little bit rusty, I think he don't, I don't believe he's run since the last race of 2019, so he's still trying to figure things out with a new operation. Of course, he drove for this operation with a limited schedule with the Advancement Scholarship after winning the Indy Lights title a few years back. Sato, uh, it just depends on the weekend. Either he's hot or he's a no-show, and right now he's been a no-show so far this weekend. So I think you look at Sato's record, it depends on where he is on the grid, and I think that determines a lot of how he's going to perform uh, when we get to race day. What do we know about Fernando Alonso? Only that he's running the Indy 500 at this point. That's about all I could say. Of course, obviously, uh, you saw the brand-new car, Rufo Mortgage, who was with Takuba Sato when he won in 2017, mm-hmm. is on the car. I think the biggest thing for Alonso, though, is just get in the field, and then we'll see what he can do on race day, because obviously that was the thing that really ruined uh, the whole storyline last year is his inability to get the car up to speed and it really hurt him at the end of the day and he was the last guy knocked out of the field so if he can get in the field then I think uh, the sky's the limit when he gets to race day I don't think I'm not saying that he has a car that can win the race but I think he will be competitive Sebastian Bourdais and Max Chilton uh, no Bourdais this weekend uh, Chilton starts 10th for Carlin of course, uh, single car operation again, and uh, I'll be very curious to see who they name for a second driver. They get that second car uh, up and running because Philippe Nasser had to pull out of the IMSA race at Daytona because he was another driver that tested positive for COVID-19 this week. Says Karam. I like Says Karam, but what, I mean, it's about time for him to come into his own, don't you think? Again, it's the same problem I keep saying with Herda and some of these other guys. The aggression factor for Sage Karam is still, you know, going off the charts, and he has trouble controlling. I mean, you don't get that many DNFs in a row at the Indy 500 because you're unlucky. It's, uh, there's a reason for that, and it is over-aggression. I think we saw some control from him in the iRacing Challenge, but uh, I still think he's got a ways to go to prove that he can be a consistent finisher and not just a guy that, you know, makes a run and then crashes out of events. I think that needs to change a little bit and have, so he could have some staying power. If he could do that, uh, maybe there would be enough backers here to possibly get Byron Reinbold back to a full-time schedule. Talked a little bit about it, this him, this guy in the beginning of the segment, but that's Simon Patijan. Uh Simon Patijan, not exactly what we would want him to look at. Obviously, he's the defending 500 champion, uh, but not only for for today's race, but looking forward to the Indianapolis 500 coming up in August. Uh, what are our thoughts about our, our Frenchman there, Simon Patazon? I don't think this will influence what happens at Indy, but keep in mind, he's also the defending GMR Grand Prix champion. So, yeah, uh, I, 
it's going to have to take some kind of off strategy and some break with the yellows, I think, to get Pajdo up there. It's not to say that he can get he can't get up there, but it's going to certainly be a test for him. All right, let's talk a little bit about NASCAR. Uh, Steve's not going to be able to join us to talk a little about NASCAR. Obviously, you got the Xfinity race at Indianapolis uh, this weekend, and you've also got the NASCAR race. And we and we talked a little bit earlier about uh, Jimmy Johnson not being able to to. Uh, to get in the car, so one who's going to get into to the number 48 there, and uh, let's talk a little bit about NASCAR at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, it's very tough as well. I mean, not only did Jimmy test positive, but his wife Chandra also tested positive. So hopefully, the good oh wow, I didn't hear about that. Down. So uh, at this point, it looks like Justin Allgaier is going to take over the 48. Uh, I'm assuming based on the rules, because of the driver change after the draw, I'm assuming that car's going to have to start at the back. He would have started fourth, uh, Jimmy Johnson, had he been able to run uh, on Sunday. So I'm guessing because of the driver change, Allgaier's going to move the 48 car to the back of the field for the start. So Jimmy Johnson was the first NASCAR driver to to test positive for the uh, uh COVID-19, the, the coronavirus. I guess my question is, we're seeing a lot of NBA players, a lot of NBA players, and we saw, saw Victor Oladipo announced yesterday that he won't be uh, playing for the Pacers uh, this uh, this season. He'll be going to Orlando with the team, which means he won't be losing any pay, so that's kind of a whole other, another thing, but I, I wonder why and it's it's unfortunate that we see Jimmy Johnson testing positive, and I mean it really is. But I just wonder why we have players, multiple players in the NBA, players in the MLB, but we only have only had, fortunately, I say fortunately, we've only had one NASCAR driver test positive, and you said it was him and his wife. So I wonder maybe they were on a trip, or maybe they. Maybe they went so I don't I don't know, but for both the husband and the wife to test positive, and then they have their kids. You wonder maybe they, if they were somewhere, and maybe was was Jimmy at the track and he got exposed uh, from somebody at the track. Well, that's the concern right now. But also the thing is though is what are drivers doing after they leave that protective bubble? Uh, are they going to safe areas with family? Are they going to you know? places where there could be large, you know, gatherings like beaches or some of these parks or some of these restaurants, malls. Uh, we don't know, but I have to assume that it's probably one of those things where they exit that protected bubble. And I think you're going to see a lot of the NBA and MLB when team players leave these protected bubbles, they are no longer safe and they don't take the proper things to ensure their safety and unfortunately, there is a chance when you do that, you're going to test positive. Well, we'll certainly see what happens as we get into the, the weekend here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And I hope we're not headed for a, a major, major setback. Uh, let's talk a little bit some of the drivers that we, we feel like have a good shot at the, at the uh, Brickyard this weekend on Sunday, and that's Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott has seven top five finishes and nine top tens already in 2020 and has captured his seventh uh, Career Cup Series victory at the, at the, uh, out there in Charlotte in May. Now we have returned to Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We recorded his best ever uh, finish with a ninth place run last, sem- last September 
Ella Elliott's uh, in the the Indy 2018 Lily Diabetes 250 in the NASCAR and Xfinity Series. Chase Elliott, what say you? Didn't get a good draw for position, though. He's starting 10th, and as we know at Indianapolis, it is very tough to overtake unless you have a very, very good race car. So if he doesn't make a move early in the going and starts moving forward, I'd be very concerned about his chances to win this race on Sunday. What are your thoughts about Martin Truex Jr., one of the top Vegas favorites, uh, stumbles big time, and not to even crack the top five, but uh, certainly a lot of people like Martin Truex Jr. Well, obviously, based on his championship with uh, a very smaller furniture roti that doesn't even exist, I mean, that obviously looks real good on the resume. The consistency just has not been there. And uh, I'd say for the Gibbs team, it's hard to believe that with all the front runs they've had over the years here, they've only won this race three times. And I think it's even more shocking considering how Denny Hamill has been so dominant at Pocono, which is the most similar track to Indianapolis. He's never won at a Brickyard 400 yet. So I think that's the biggest surprise in my book is how a driver so dominant at a track so similar to Indianapolis still hasn't been able to grab the brass ring in the Brickyard 400. So, uh, I'd say right now that's the biggest surprise. If you look at the guys that have not won the Brickyard 400, Denny Hamlin's name is on that list, and I'd say that's the biggest surprise as far as non-winners here for an event like this. Well, if we're going to go with the Vegas odds and the Vegas favorites, uh, Vegas loves uh, Kevin Harvick and Den- Denny Hamlin, uh, going both of them at 4-1 to one to win the uh, uh, big machine hand sanitizer. That just seems weird roll off the tongue since we know that they make vodka. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. That's a whole other topic. But uh, Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin, uh, what, what are your thoughts? Well, Hamlin's got the car, but can he put it all together? That's been his issue at Indianapolis. And Harvick had it all go his way last year, but he was starting up front and he stayed there all the way. This time he's got to come from 11. So uh, it's going to be a much tougher test for uh, Happy to get all the way from uh, – that position all the way to the front to possibly get a third Brickyard 400 win uh, tomorrow. Well, Kyle Busch is rolling in in 92 odds of winning uh, the the Brickyard this weekend. Certainly it's capable, but remember, he started up front to win his two Brickyards. He's starting seventh, so getting through the field uh, is certainly going to be a little bit of work because, like we said again, it is very difficult to overtake at this event for these NASCAR stock cars. Brad Kolesky's right there at 9-1 to one odds. Uh, what are your thoughts about the DK? Same area right now, but he's got the same task that uh, Bush and Harvick is. He starts ninth uh, tomorrow. But uh, certainly uh, you've got to uh, be curious to see what happens since his teammate Joey Logano uh, did draw position number one. And I'd say uh, having that clean air is an enormous advantage at a track like Indianapolis. I'm glad you brought up Joey Logano because he's certainly one that I had as a dark horse there. Uh, not necessarily because you're in the pole, but it certainly does give you that advantage. He's got 12 to one coming in, in the, in the Vegas odds. The other, other uh, um, dark horse that people are looking at is Alex Bowman. Now Alex Bowman uh, is in the middle of the pack, uh, but they got him at 30 to one odds, but he certainly is a dark horse that a lot of people are yeah, looking at. Sure. Pardon me? He's starting third, though. I wouldn't call him much of a dark horse based on that. 
Well, I guess maybe they're calling him a dark horse just because he's he's never typically favored to win a, a race. So that, that I guess that was my point. Going with your third position there, that gives him the opportunity to win and maybe be in the dark horse because he he, he doesn't he has a, he, he he doesn't typically fare well in the in the predictions of, of winners and losers, if you will. But he did win a race dominantly at Auto Club Speedway earlier this year. So he is not a guy that is not used to winning races in NASCAR Cup competition and certainly is with a team that is capable of winning races day in, day out with Hendrick Motorsports. So uh, I would I think it's hard to call him a dark horse. I would say, though, that I would put the dark horse tag on Kurt Busch because he starts second, but uh, the – thing about Indianapolis is this has not been one of his better tracks so I'll be very interested to see how long he stays up near the front uh, starting from the front row today Matthew Embry WSPT up in South Bend thank you so much for joining us any big plans for the 4th of July head up the parents to watch the races uh, should be very curious to see what happens I think power wins today uh, in the IndyCar event and uh I hate going with the chalk, but I'm going to have to go with Logano uh, to win his first Brickyard 400 uh, coming up on Sunday. Hey, Joe Logano, you do have to go with the chalk, so we'll see how that how that, how that rolls out. I'm going out to my brothers right after this show. Me and my brothers have a cook-off, and we're going to see who's going to be the, the, the grill meister. And, uh, I made some pulled pork yesterday, uh, but that's not part of the competition. We're doing brats, and so – uh, we're we're still trying to determine who the judges are going to be. My niece is one of the judges, but hey, their dad is one of the competitors, so we might have to we might have to go a, a different a different route on on that. Matthew, where can people find your work, masterpiece, sir? M a t t e m b u r y on Twitter. That's where you can find me, and uh, should be interesting to see how things go. Uh, Fortunately, though, not going to be tweeting much on game shows because it's going to be repeat because of the 4th of July weekend on Sunday. But uh, following weekend, things get back up and going. And uh, a lot of interesting storylines, especially with a couple huge wins over the start of this season already uh, on ABC. Matthew, we appreciate you joining us. I hope you have yourself a good, safe uh, uh, 4th of July weekend. Same to you, Tom. All right, buddy. We'll see you. Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, our official uh, IndyCar contributor, joins us in and breaking down IndyCar this weekend. And uh, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to be there. My name is Tom Michael Presidente, 917-889-8516. Coming up, Ed Kratz. A beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com uh, joins us to break down, well, what's going on in the NFL. American kids growing up in little pink houses, making out on living room couches, blowing that smoke on Saturday night. A little messed up, but we're all all right. Parking lot, trying not to get caught. Take her home and give her your jack. Making it to second base, but saying you went all the way Monday afternoon at practice. Sisters got. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. 
In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're one my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Welcome back to The Balance. We are back on the final segment of the show today. I promise you, eventually we'll get back to two hours when everything starts moving and grinding. But joining us now, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor. Ed Kratz, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Happy 4th to, to you and everybody else, Tom. I hope you have a great holiday. You too. Happy Fourth to you. What What are your big plans for the? I know you said you have a BBQ to go to later, huh? Yeah, a little uh, thing over at my sister. She's got a nice in-ground pool, and uh, you know nice. she always does a nice party. Yeah, yeah. So you know, go uh, a little, eat, be a little the, swimming. Ah, there you go. It's uh, uh it's going to be in the nineties, hot and humid here today. But I'm going over as soon as this show's over. I am headed to Terre Haute. Terre Haute, which is about an hour, hour and 20 minutes uh, west of Indianapolis. It's on the Illinois-Indiana border. My brother lives there. He's got a nice little spot out in the country. And so we've decided that we are going to do my brother's, of course, my my father passed away uh, in April, as we know. And my mom's driving up. And I was just like, Mom, I don't know if you're ready to drive by yourself. She's She's got her own independent spirit going on now. It's to be admired. I'm kind of liking it. But so she's going to be there. And uh, my brothers are going to be there. And we decided because everybody knows that I'm the grill master. Everything I make, I was world famous. But I'm just, (laughs) you know, 
<laughs> I, I, I know you follow I, me on I've Facebook. Seen the, I've seen the photos. Yeah, I've seen the photos. It's all, all mouth-watering so, stuff, Tom. That's right. So uh, I, I made some pull, I, I smoked some uh, pork shoulder yesterday, made some pulled pork, but that's not part of the competition. We decided that we were going to decide on one particular dish. We're going to do brats. All three, we got three different grills, and we're both going to do our, we're all, we're all three going to do our different brats, and then we're going to have somebody judge it. The problem is my nieces want to be a judge, but I don't know if they want, I want them to be a judge because their dad is a participant, and I could see some bribery going on there. So <laughs> might might have yeah. might have to figure out some other judges. And I asked my mom to be a judge. My mom said that she would love all of the broths equally. So we're gonna see how it comes out. We may not we may not come out with a true decision, but we're gonna come out with a decision on who is. The Grail Meister, and I certainly think we're going to play some <laughs> cornhole and and all that stuff, and and so we'll we'll have to see how how all that that plays out today. Uh, but let's get into this talk here. Let's start. Let, let's talk. Let's talk about just again. I'm just so tired of talking about this, but it just we we keep getting jumped into stuff. First of all, big controversy on the right and on the left about uh, this uh, black anthem being played before the national anthem as opposed to after the national anthem. And I kind of think the national anthem should be played first. I don't have a problem with them playing this black anthem. But don't we think, haven't we got to the point where enough, just enough, we've had enough. And then not, not to mention with the Redskins. So what are your thoughts on all of this. I mean, I know we want to be sensitive to the situation and to what's causing and the root of all this, but but aren't we going just a little too far? Now the NFL is even saying that they want to put um, names of people who have had uh, some sort of issues with the cops that the cops treated them wrongly. I mean, that. Where, who starts that list? Who makes that list? And who creates that list? I mean, the NFL is maybe going a little bit too far. What do you think? Uh, well, I, you know, you say enough's enough. I, I think it's just kind of getting started, to be honest. I mean, I think this isn't going to go away anytime soon, to be honest. I mean, then the players are kind of driving it. You know, they're the ones that are trying to affect this change. And then when you see Roger Goodell, someone like the commissioner of the NFL, very – powerful person not only in his sport but you know in the in the landscape of america just because of the way the nfl does business billions of dollars and uh you know he comes out and he kind of apologizes for not being more sensitive to you know the 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 black players and and their their wants and desires so i just think we're kind of seeing the beginning of this and uh it's you know we're kind of looking at history here with the redskins and um changing the name. I mean, this is a controversy with the Redskins. It's been going on way before yeah, 2020 true. or 2019. Yep. I mean, this is something that's been going on for, you know, a decade, if not longer. So um, it's nothing new from the Redskins front. The, the Black Anthem thing is certainly a new development, of course. And, um, you know, look, they want to – personally, I think they should just stop playing the National Anthem and every other anthem before a, a, a game and just start the game. Uh you know, I, I never really understood why do that. the anthem. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand when it began, when this tradition began. But I, I think, if, you know, we're, we're going to step on too many people's toes here with, 
you know, the kneeling and now which song should be played first. I mean, just, just get rid of it. You know, let's just start the game, you know, go out for the coin toss, have a kickoff or, or, you know, play some fun music beforehand and, and then be done and move on. Let's, let's just get away from playing the anthem. Uh, not saying forever, but just, just get away from it for a while and stop playing it. And, and that would solve a lot of problems too. I think uh, people might be upset about it. Um, like, like we've talked about before time, you're not going to please everybody a hundred percent of the time. So um, I, I think that if they got rid of it, then it might solve some things and make more people happier than what we're kind of looking at now is being undecided on what to do with playing the anthem, what song gets played first. I mean, it's just gotten so petty, uh, if you will, in, in that regard, I think. Well, and here's the thing back in several years ago, the players would stay in the locker room till after the national anthem. And then yeah, they would, right. then, they would, then they would come out. I think that may even be an option, but, but you know, it's, 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 it's and, and I want to be very sensitive in how I say this, but I saw something on social media and it kind of resonated that it's absolutely true. We've had issues in our world, in our society with race and everything else Forever. I mean, let's think about going all the way back to the beginning of the country. And there's always been a group of people that said, hey, something has to change. And, you know, we had the Civil War. And people think the Civil War was about slavery. That was a major portion of it, but it wasn't the only thing that was driving the Civil War. Uh, But the, the point being is even after the Civil War, even after slaves were, were freed by Abraham Lincoln, and they were only freed in the North, and, and, and then going into the 50s and 60s, we still had issues with race. We still had issues with race. So the question was proposed that with the NFL doing everything that they're doing, the NBA doing everything that they're doing, and, and let's tearing down statues and let's, let's uh, uh, stop the Confederate flags, does that solve the race issue? Does that solve – the, the the police issues with with race there's a, a small finite amount of cops that do bad things and that's unfortunate and we know that but is putting names on jerseys playing playing the national anthem recognizing that we have a problem in our country with race is that going to change the answer is probably no it's not going to change anything it's not going to move the needle at all because unfortunately there's a group of people out there that are still going to do bad things yeah and and that will never go away uh, unfortunately um but you're right i mean i don't know if race is really a tangible thing where you can you know take down statues or or you know put different things on jerseys i mean I, i i don't think that would end it of course but i what it might do is it I mean, you really have to change the attitude toward race and think, you know, the education toward race, I guess. And and maybe that this brings more of an awareness to kind of educate and to make people aware of what these issues have been for years. And then maybe there's conversations about it in schools and, and workplaces. And, and maybe that's how you change things. Look, I don't, I don't have the answers. It just doesn't yeah. seem to me like that's going to change anything by tearing down statues or uh, you know, loot, rioting or doing whatever, protesting, I guess I should say. I mean, that, that just kind of hopefully just brings awareness to the situation and gets people talking. And then you start to change maybe the viewpoint. I mean, 
you know, race has been handed down from generation to generation from kids' parents. And, you know, even, you know, as much as I hate to say it, when I was a kid and I had a lot of black friends, my parents were like, uh, you know, son, I think you need to have more white friends. And this is when I was, you know, 11, 12. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. my parents are racist, but I mean, that was kind of the prevailing attitude that they had. And I thought that that's kind of a weird thing to say, you know, and um, mm. certainly I didn't listen to it, but you know, I, I always think back to that. I still remember that conversation and, and, and I think that still goes on. I still think there, there are parents who probably, you know, have these belief systems that they're instilling in young kids and, and young kids see it, you know, they, they see what's going on in the country and then they start to form their own opinions and you hope that they're forming the, the right opinions about race. But, you know, I don't know if it will ever get changed. You're right. It's been, I mean, slavery was, you know, it's 400 years old or however old it is. And it's, uh, you know, there's still that attitude about, uh, you know, uh, you know, black people being whatever you want to say. And, and it's a shame that, that, that that's the, yeah. that, the way some people still feel today. Well, and it just it, it goes we, – we look at the coach of Oklahoma. He was wearing a T-shirt on a fishing trip. Have you ever been fishing? You don't wear your best T-shirts out there. And there's, we're still having a discussion of whether or not he should have been fired uh, because of him wearing a – a shirt about a, a a conservative network. Just because you're conservative doesn't mean that you're racist. And there's even been talks in these think tanks, Ed. It's getting to the point of ridiculous where they should they're, they're talking about banning in in school teachings. Uh, so they're talking about banning uh, the talk about slavery and the so, Civil War. It's almost like if we don't talk about it, if we tear down everything in our past. It just changes history. It just all went away. It never happened. Yeah, that's well, I why agree. I, I would say not agree with that. History is history. It is what it is. We learn from history. We learn from our mistakes. But you know, skins are no skins. I, I don't know. I, I was I joked and it sounded a lot better when I was typing it out at the beginning of the of the thing. But uh, I, I mean, may, maybe the name should be changed to to uh, Redskin Potatoes, and then you know, the only people we would offend is the vegans or the vegetarians, they're probably the ones with the largest mouths anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, but, I, you know, the red, the, where are we at yeah, with that? Yeah. I mean, I know that's, I know that's been a topic for a long, long time. And, uh, but FedEx and Nike have some big money there and yeah, tied up with in that team. And they said, uh, you know, change it or we walk And that, you know, they say money talks and you know what walks. So, uh, you think this is actually going to happen this time? Well, I, you know, the Redskins released a statement saying they're going to take a long review of it, and I just don't see how now you turn back and say, oh, we looked at it, and we're going to keep it. I mean, I just don't think there's a turning back point at this at this time. I mean, especially, like you said, when the money starts to, to get involved, and I think there's, you know, a big tract of land where the RFK Stadium used to be, where Washington used to play, that Daniel Snyder, the owner, wants to uh, develop into a new stadium, and they're not going to give that land up now um, because of this. I, I just think that there's too many obstacles for him to overcome to keep the name the way it is. And, you know, to be honest, I, I don't know why, if you're the Washington Redskins, you wouldn't want to change it. I mean, they, they've been horrible for, you know, since the, the century started. I mean, Changing the names going to make their team better. Well, I don't know, but why, why not? I mean, and I think that would bring kind of a new influx of energy and certainly money because now you're selling completely different team wear with 
the new logo, the new name, all that stuff. And um, you can preserve that Washington Redskin history. But I would think that if you're Daniel Snyder, I, I never really understood the resistance to it. I thought, you know what, why wouldn't you want to change your name? And not just because, you know, it's looked as, you know, uh, derogatory toward the Native Americans, but just for the excitement and for the new bucks of cash, you know, I mean, if the Eagles wanted to change their name to something, I think that would be kind of an exciting thing is, okay, look, we can preserve the Eagles history and now we'll embark on a new journey and see where this takes us with a new name. It's like when teams change uniforms seemingly every other year, you know, the, the look of them, the color of them. I mean, you know, it's just a nickname. Let's, let's just sell different things. And I, I, I don't know why that wouldn't be viewed as kind of an exciting thing to do. I mean, I understand the history of it, but I think it would be kind of neat to start something fresh right out of the gate. Let's see what we can build with this new name and this new energy that we have because we changed our name. I don't know why you wouldn't embrace that rather than just fight it for whatever reason Daniel Snyder has decided to fight this. Well, one, I think it's your brand. It's what you built. And, and, and second of all, yeah. I think that it honors Native Americans. We've got the Chiefs. We've got the Cleveland Indians. We've got the Florida State Seminoles. There's many teams that have Native American names attached to it. And not to mention the countless high schools across the country that have uh, various types of, of, uh, of uh, Native American names and mascots and that sort of stuff. I think Snyder, honestly, and I heard somebody on national media yesterday, yesterday talking about this, what, what would be wrong with him just saying and meeting with a group of tribe leaders across the country, Seminole Nation, the Comanches, the uh, Apaches, anybody that, that wants to come to this council? If you will, and speaking of Native Americans, that's how they used to. That's how they used to resolve everything. They all the chiefs would get together, and we make jokes about smoking the peace pipe. But that's what they would do. That's what the peace pipe came from. They would pass around the peace pipe, and they would have a conversation about how to resolve conflict. Wouldn't it make sense for Daniel Snyder to assemble a, a council? And if the majority of people of the Native Americans say we're offended by this. They're tribal leaders, but from a 2016 poll from the Washington Post, which we all know is a, a very liberal-leaning uh, type of thing, said that 9 out of 10 Native Americans aren't offended by this. So who's offended by it? Is this, is this, is this just a group of, of young 18 to 25-year-old uh, uh, people who, who now have found their voice and, and, and we're, we're mad about everything. We're changing the name from the masters. Uh, realtors are stopped are, are not using, they're not changing the name of the masters, but they want to change the name of the masters. Realtors aren't using the word master bedroom anymore. Maybe I'm just too old, Ed. I don't know. I just feel like we've gotten to the point of there's nothing that can change here. It might just be in my yeah, own little again, get off my yeah. lawn world. <laughs> well, I mean, again, it seems to just be petty in some instances, you know, where, I mean, is that really offending people? The, the master's thing and the master bedroom and all the master bath. All that, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure maybe there are some people out there who are offended by that, but have they been offended about that their whole lives or just like right now? I mean, I, I, I don't know. And I, and like we talked about, you're not going to please everybody all the time. And I don't know about a poll that said Native Americans are happy. Nine out of ten are happy with or, or not offended by the Redskin nickname. I, 
I don't know. I, I know there are uh, uh, Native Americans that are offended by that, and, and you're right. I don't know why Daniel Snyder wouldn't convene some sort of a council where he got some of these leaders of the Native American tribes that are still in existence in the West together and say, what can we do here? Um, and I think you might see that. I mean, I, I've seen rumors that the Redskins want to have the name changed and in place, the new name by the start of the 2020 season. But I also saw someone suggest that maybe they should just play the 2020 season without a nickname, just be Washington and uh, take a, take some time to figure this out and to have these types of meetings with people that are allegedly offended by, uh, you know, the name uh, Redskins. Uh, and even the Cleveland Indians, I saw they released a statement saying they're going to start maybe looking at, you know, their name and, and seeing if that's offensive. And, you know, these are the kinds of discussions that what's happening now are, are yielding. And I guess maybe in the long run, it'll be a good thing. I don't know. Um, but we're on our way towards it. And I don't think there's any turning back at this point. Uh, I think it's just going to, like I said, I think it's just kind of getting started. And, you know, this name change with the Washington Redskins would be historic obviously, but, you know, will they do it? I think they're going to do it, but how will they do it? What will it look like? I like your idea of bringing everybody together. I think that should happen, but then you're talking about time. Do you play the 2020 season as the Redskins or no nickname and, and then kind of unveil something uh, next summer? I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think it's going to happen. Well, I think the most offensive part of the Washington Redskins name is the word Washington and not Redskins. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I had to go there. Now you can change uh, it to the Washington hypocrisy. You know that would be a good yeah. nickname. The Washington hypocrisy would be good. Uh, the four and twelvers, you know, the Washington four and twelvers. They've been four and twelve forever, it seems. Yeah, so, hey, you can have a lot so, of fun with the nickname and stuff. But but I, and I understand the branding part of it. But listen, yeah, just build another brand. It wouldn't be that hard. You have a fan base. You have people that do care about the Washington Redskins. Uh, even though they don't always show up on game day lately, but you still have people to care about. And you can build a new brand. Hey, <laughs> you can you build know, a new can, brand. If the Browns can have a fan base, the Redskins can have a fan base. That's <laughs> that's for sure. We're quickly. Yeah, I mean, where, where are where are we at with the NFL season? We look at this stuff with yeah. with NBA. And we see the Pacers make their own depot say he's not going to play, and we're seeing a lot of. Uh, uh, NBA players testing positive. What's going to happen when, when we start camp and a lot of these people coming from all over and that, then you start having players test positive. And I had a virtual doctor's appointment this week and he told me, he's like, it's really not a matter in all the pandemics that U.S. has been through in, in its entire history. There's never been a pandemic where there's just been one wave. There's always been a second wave. Now, how bad it is or how it varies but he says it's not a matter of if there's going to be a second wave it's a matter of when and then we're seeing right here in indianapolis in marion county the indianapolis mayor says beginning july 19th everybody when they come out whether in a public place or whatever as long as they're not in an office by themselves if they're in work by themselves i mean in their workplace or with open work places everybody has to wear a mask uh and they're gonna and that's punishable by fine you can get a ticket if you're not wearing a mask um so we're seeing that now the nfl's reduced we've always said they need to reduce the preseason season there's too many preseasons but 
you know, we got rookies. We got look at Joe Burrow down in in Cincinnati. We we got rookies who need to get developed into the NFL system. And and you know, we got we got preseason, we got camp, and all that's coming up. Are we in a danger zone with the NFL that we thought we were never going to be in? Uh, well, yeah, they're not going to. The NFLPA said that they don't want to play any preseason games. So that's probably the kind of summer we're looking at here. And, and you know, look, college football doesn't have any preseason games, and quarterbacks step in and do fine. And, and we'll see how it looks this year, and maybe we could be on a path where we're going to see two preseason games. I already think you're going to three preseason games now that they extended the schedule to 17-game season. Um, I think, you know, that's going to lop off one preseason game, but it could be two at this point. Um, but, yeah, I, you're right. I mean, this is a time for rookies especially. You know, I look at the Eagles roster, and there's some guys that were, you know, the 90th or 89th man when camp started and had a very good camp, a very good preseason, and played their way onto the roster or at least the practice squad. Now you're going to possibly have a roster heading into these July 28th training camp openings. It's only going to have 75 players. They're going to have to make trims of 15 players. I mean, that's probably going to happen. You're going to now have a 75-man roster, so right away 15 guys are losing their job before they even have a chance to prove themselves. So what they're going to do then is they're going to start bringing players in slowly. I think July uh, 10th or 17th they're going to start bringing in you know, 40 players or 30 players, and they're going to bring them in in waves. And they're going to do contact tracing, and they're going to do you know, testing every day, of course, and then if someone gets hit, you quarantine them, and you watch his position group. You know, They're going to be in very small groups. Uh, when they're out on the field, they continue to do their meetings by Zoom or those Microsoft team meetings. That's how they're going to do them. They're not going to be sitting in a in an auditorium or a conference room uh, with their other position members going over the X's and O's. They're going to do that all virtually still, even as they did that in the offseason. So they're going to do everything they possibly can to, to keep these players away from, um, uh, you know, being – impacted by the coronavirus. I mean, they're even talking about players that you're not going to have all players. who think that this coronavirus is a real thing. There's some who probably think it's, it, they're not in harm's way. We're young, we're healthy. We don't need to worry about it, but they're going to start self-monitoring too. The other players could be fine if they're, you know, going out on, you know, on an Uber ride or, you know, uh, going out to eat to dinner, you know, they could be fine because they're putting themselves around other people. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, and will they do that? I mean, who knows? I mean, it's a whole new world. And um, I just know that people are going to lose jobs. They're not going to be given an opportunity to make rosters. And uh, there are people even now on the streets who are training, the people that didn't get drafted or signed after the draft that are hoping to still keep this NFL dream alive. And they're just not going to have that opportunity because of the way things are heading. They think that they can num- limit the number of players to 75 in the camp. That will help not having those extra 15 players. Um, and then you're going to see rosters that are going to have, you're going to have maybe 15 to 20 man practice squads in case someone tests positive and they have to sit out for two or three weeks uh, until they've so, you know, have overcome the virus or are not susceptible. So, you know, to me, it's just, there's so many things that they have to do. And these are all conversations right now that are taking place between the NFLPA and the NFL and, um, they've been taking place for a while. So, you know, we're going to see how this all works once they start to report. I know the Eagles uh, coaches are going to be back in town July 10th 
wherever they are in the country, they have to come to Philadelphia. They're going to be back in their offices for, from July 10th to July 17th, and then they're going to get tested and see where they stand. Um, and then they're going to start bringing players in, and they're going to do it in, in waves, small waves, until such time when the July 28th camps can open. And when they do, it's going to be a whole different look to training camp. I mean, I've heard – I had someone in New York tell me this, um, that they'll probably show the practices on the team's websites. They won't be – you won't have any fans. You won't have any media, but you'll be able to watch it on their team's website, and all the interviews are going to be done via Zoom. I mean, they're just going to keep these players kind of in as, a bubble as best they can without any contact from anybody on the outside. Well, we'll see how everything pans out. Hopefully, Ed, we're getting to a point where we're going to be able to start talking about uh, the NFL actually happening and players playing, and and and, and we yeah. we get past a lot of a lot of the craziness. Uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor. Ed, any final words of wisdom, sir? Uh, none, uh, <laughs> except that <laughs> I got nothing for you, man. <laughs> hey, I'm just looking forward to today, man. Celebrating the Fourth of July. I love the Fourth of July. Uh, good, fun holiday. It's a summer holiday. We're uh, so I'm just excited for today, man. I live every day as best I can. You know what I mean? And then nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. How's that for wisdom? Live today. Hey, there. Land, right there, you go. And uh, I hope you have a good a good Fourth. And I will have pictures posted of my victorious. Uh, cooked off <laughs> from today. I don't know, man. It sounds, <laughs> sounds like a rig. Sounds like a rig contest to me. I know. To, it sounds like your niece involved. Like everyone is against yeah. me, right? That's right. All right, buddy. Have yourself a good Fourth of July, man. Yep. Thanks, Tom. You too. Good luck All right. today. All right. Thank you. All right. See you, buddy. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, and our official NFL contributor. I appreciate y'all joining us uh, on this Fourth of July. You know, are we ever going to get back to the point where we could just say, say hey, this happened in this game. We're going to talk about this game. We're going to uh, we're going to talk about uh, this, that, and the other that that has nothing to do uh, with the with the crazy world that we're in. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. Make sure that you download the podcast on your on your favorite uh, outlet, whether it be Apple Podcast, Stitcher. Tune in, uh, what have you. We're out there. You can just download us and you can find us there as well. Thank you, Mo, from the BS Sports Show, Beat Writer. I mean, Mo from the BS Sports Show and uh, Matthew Embry, WSBT, up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, talking about some racing that's going on here in Indianapolis where I'm not going to be there. And that's unfortunate. Actually makes me mad, makes me honk off, but that's okay. Follow us on Twitter at T Balance. Thanks, Ed Kratz. Beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and our official NFL contributor. I'm out of here. Don't drink and drive. Deuces.
Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.